1: Good morning, my name is Rob Danielson. Welcome to Visions and Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week, right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 41 of 2021, and show number 1094, if you're keeping track that way. This week, we continue Halloween Horror Month with a celebration of the 30th anniversary of the film dead again so joining me on her very first time on the show this uh uh, on my show as my co-host is my longtime friend susan Gao. susan welcome to the show
0: well thank you for including me in the show rob i'm really happy to be here
1: now um your background is kind of sort of linked to my background as well um we're we're both uh, huge fans of the of the movies uh, of of all types, but uh, what else? I mean, you have a lot of, of background with like story and narrative and that sort of thing. So so can you describe your background and where you're coming from?
0: Well, sure, when when I think of you and I and the years that we've spent looking at movies together, <laughs> you know, I think of you as the, the more technical expert, the guy who knows um, what's going on on the set, certainly your love of music really contributes to um, your appreciation of other sound effects and how that augments story and the production. So for me, I'm, I'm a fiction writer, or, or shall we say a wannabe fiction writer. <laughs> um, but professionally, I've been an editor, and that includes for the academic world as well as the fictional world. But most importantly, I love a good story. And that's what I'm constantly looking for. It, what are the elements of this storytelling that are good, that make sense? So, again, I focus on relationships. Do they make sense? Are they at odds with each other? I'm constantly questioning motives and and why and how people are interacting the way they do. Right. And then that also means, Rob, I'm looking at the dialogue. Is the dialogue meaningful? Is the dialogue advancing the so-called action? Right. And you and I have often got into discussion, if you recall, where you say, it's a great action film. And I'll say, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's just just one fight scene clipped in after another. And you're like, I remember you saying, well, what, what, what else should there be? And I said, the dialogue connecting them should make some sense. I see that as the action. So you see the physicality of the action, and I'm looking at the reflection of the the words chosen and the meanings of the action.
1: <laughs> well, this is what I this is why I, I ch- actually chose you to be on this show because um, Dead Again is one of those films that um, we could talk about for the longest time, <laughs> yes. and uh, it's it's great that uh, we have both been able to to watch it recently. And get, yep. a, and get our own perspectives on how it, how it goes. But yeah, my, my background is, of course, music and, of course, the technical side of things because we also do have a, a history of working in television together.
0: That's so, right. Yeah. So, there,
1: so, there, so there's, all of, there's all of that behind us as well. And I know how much you appreciate lighting and I know how much you appreciate the, uh, uh, even though you're, you're maybe not cognizantly aware of it, you definitely pick up on the music as well. And and well, that sort of thing.
0: Let me share let me share a little insight that, that I gathered in the last the last few days about that. I don't hear the music with its various technical components the way you do. Right. I feel the music. As it punctuates the narrative, as it enhances my emotional response to the film, and certainly some people have argued that a film score will manipulate an emotional response out of the viewer. To which I say, well, so what? That that's that's part of its role, in in my opinion. Right. So, um, I look to to the score to be consistent with. With the other layers that you and I have talked about that, that are involved with the film production, I mean, let's because we're talking about Dead Again, let's let's just restrict it to film production. Sure. So, um, again, it's 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 how I feel about the music rather than what I hear.
1: Cool. Well, so let's uh, let's get into uh, what we're talking about this week, which is of course sure. the 1991 film Dead Again. Now, yet right. again, is a thriller, uh, second film, by the way, of uh, director and star Kenneth Branagh. It also stars Emma Thompson, Andy Garcia, Derek Jacobi, uh, Henry, or sorry, Wayne Knight, and Robin Williams. Now, originally, Williams did not want his name to appear in the opening credits, as it might have misled audiences into thinking that the movie was a comedy. He also has three scenes with the director. Uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh and one with da- with the Dame Emma Thompson. This was due to Williams doing two other movies at the same time, which include Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King, which we had discussed at one point as well, and Steven, yep. Steven Spielberg's Hook. So what we're going to do um, is a little bit of discussion about the film. So I first saw the film like years and years ago, but I didn't see it with you. And I, I just remember it being back then. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, I do remember seeing it. I don't know if it was on TV or if it was on video. Um, but it was somewhere in the mid mid to late 90s when I did see it. And I just remember being struck by um, just coming out of out of college at that time, being struck by how... Um, wonderful the, 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 sh- the, the shots were the transitions between black and white and color and that sort of thing. And how, how, um, the, e- I was huge on editing as well. So it was one of those, those films that I was like, oh yeah, this is extremely, extremely well edited and nicely, nicely put together. So Susan, what, uh, when did you first see the film? Oops. And, uh, and so where do you, where do you, what were your kind of, um, in, uh, what were your kind of impressions of uh, when in first seeing it? Okay.
0: I remember watching the film at home on a family movie night, <laughs> and it was on the family VCR so okay. that we had picked up at our local video rent- <laughs> rental outlet. And what a choice we made. What a choice, I must say. So, my two kids uh, at that time. Uh, in the mid-90s. That would have been when we when we saw it. Probably, I'm thinking, 94, you know? Mm. Okay. Given its theatrical release of August 91, and then before it hit video release. Anyway, so my kids were probably 12 and uh, 16, and my eldest loves <laughs> and still loves scary movies. Okay. So she was she was okay, you know, her vote was for for this movie when I held up the box and and having read the material on the box. Um so she she was all for it. I'm the opposite of her. I can't stand scary movies. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought, oh well, murder mystery, and I was looking at some of the other keywords, romance, and and what was what was particular particularly grabbing for me was the theme of reincarnation and karma. That really jumped out at me, and I thought, okay, this satisfies the adult in the group. <laughs> the scariness satisfies the elder the elder kid, and the other one. Well, they both love Shakespeare, so when they right. saw in the packaging that Branagh had done Henry V and it had been acclaimed and you know, Oscar nominated, they're like, oh, okay, I guess we could watch this. This It seemed to hit all, all the checkboxes. Well, let me tell you, that this film, Dead Again, became a measure for me about the scariness of a film. If people recommended, especially you, if people recommended a film to me and said, oh, it's really good and scary, and I'd say, is it scarier than... Dead Again. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't watch it. Because that was Dead Again became the threshold for me of what I could cope with in terms of suspense. Okay. I'm sure we dragged you. To our place to watch, you know, another because we purchased the um, the video, and in fact, that's what I watched just a couple of oh, weeks ago.
1: Going retro on us, and uh, yeah, and watching absolutely,
0: it. the old VCR got dusted off, and I watched the film <laughs> on uh, the on the purchase that we'd made. And I'm sure that as I started to to mention, I'm sure we dragged you in and said, "You got to see this film. You got to see this film. Well, it's really great." <laughs> and so then we would probably. We all jumped through our skins as we watched it.
1: Exactly, and and it's not the first film that you've kind of dragged me into. I remember, <laughs> yes. I, I just remember the court jester being another one. But we'll we'll, we'll discuss that okay. one that one another day when we get into comedies. Absolutely. So, so here we are. Uh, the film's music is done by um, Brana Mainstay. Uh, composer Patrick Doyle. Now, again, this is his second film, you have to realize, whom he had uh, started working with uh, Brana on 1989's Henry V, which is, again, as you said, an acclaimed film and an acclaimed score. Yeah. Now, the music here has been released in many forms, but today will feature the 2014 re-release on La La Land Records. So here's a little bit of music from the 1991 film Dead Again as we celebrate its 30th anniversary. Okay. With a little bit of music from the 1991 film dead again that's music by patrick doyle we'll get into a little bit more of the score in just a minute but before we do if you're interested in any of the film television or video game music that i do play here on the show by all means you can contact me at, of course visions in gmail.com you can try me online at facebook.com slash visions in sound i am on the twitter at Visions Sound, you can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I am also on one of the many podcatchers. I love that term, um, especially uh, Good Pods. And it's an app that you can ha- you can download onto your phone, and you can just type in Visions and Sound, and you can find me that way. Or you can also try Apple Podcasts and try and find me that way. And there's a Thanksgiving sale on 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 my website this uh, this web store. And you can be stylish this fall. I'm currently wearing, I I know you can't see it, but I'm currently wearing my wonderful Visions and Sound hoodie. And it is really warm and it's fantastic in any case. So welcome back to Visions and Sound. As this week, like I said, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Dead Again. And again, joining me from her wonderful abode in Waterloo is uh, a Susan Gao, a longtime friend and huge fan of this movie. So I'm glad that you are on the show this evening. So we were discussing a few things uh, this evening or this morning, I guess this morning would be the, yeah, this morning. the better, the better way of looking at it. Uh, the thing is, is that um, this film, and I love the way this film opens um, the, uh, the, 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 the score cue that we, we played right off the beginning is called the headlines. And the first thing that you see in, in the film is the word murder in huge letters. And I just love the way that it just, it hits you right off the beginning as that, and it tells you exactly what this movie is going to be like, uh, gives you that murder mystery feeling right off the way. And you yourself, Susan called it a, what a neo-noir kind of,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: It's one, I, Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, go ahead, Rob.
1: I was just going to say one of the one of the um genres of uh, a film that I haven't really gotten into that much but have have kind of recently is actually the film noir. And uh and and the scores that uh, that that uh come with them. And I keep thinking of uh, quite a few films over the years that um are kind of the neo noir. I mean, Blade Runner is a neo noir film. Sure, there's a whole bunch sure. of other ones in this. So, where do you um, uh, fall in like the neo noir category, and uh, especially with this film? And uh, what is your your take on first of all the the wonderful opening, and yeah. then the uh, the the transitions from from the past to the present.
0: Okay, so I'm hearing three questions. Let's see if I can keep them separate. Number one, neo-noir. Not a fan. Not a fan because it gets me too upset. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So emotionally, I I really go through the ringer. Seems to me there's a video game that is a neo-noir classic. Something about L.A. Oh,
1: LA, L.A. Noir, actually, it's called.
0: There you go. That's it. And I hear it's a huge success um, because it has all the right elements that um, are attributed to the neo noir genre. Um, dark. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's the neo noir doesn't doesn't hold for me because I'm I look to film and. Uh, television and series, and, uh, don't do video, video games. But I look to them for um, spirit lifting, right? Okay. It's, it's, it's my go-to when I want to feel inspired, when I want to feel uplifted, and I have to be in a certain mood to in order to take on something heavy. Right. So, um, But there are those times where my mood is such that I take a very perverse delight in very black humor and <laughs> very dark humor. And uh, you and I have talked about that in, on a number of them, that they just, well, you know, Ode to Joy is one that came out recently,
2: yes.
0: <laughs> that um, he's got a very serious, their main character played by Martin, Martin,
1: Um, yeah i know who you're talking about
0: (laughs) come on dr Uh, watson (laughs) yeah
1: martin freeman
0: freeman freeman yeah yes anyway and he's got a very serious illness but the way he manages it and the way he portrays it as an actor i find the nuance is just delightful anyway that's so that's me and neo neo noir the um the
1: the next what i was just gonna say the opening
0: Okay, yeah, the yeah. next two was about the opening, and it was about, what was the second part?
1: Uh, the second part was, you know, um, kind of how um, the, the, the transitions from right. uh, right. bas- past to the present and the, the two stories.
0: Okay, so the opening for me is superb to this film. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it, part of it is a classic that I will watch over and over and over, because it jumps right into the action. Yeah. If I open a book and it starts with a whole bunch of description, I'm like, "Oh, okay, I guess I picked this book to help me fall asleep. But in a film or a book, when it just jumps right into it, we get on with it and then we do catch up in either some kind of reflection or, or backstory that comes out in conversation. I'm okay with that, but I want to get immersed. And certainly this film does it. And we talked earlier tonight about, or tonight this morning, about the layers that are in a film production. Right. And Mr. Doyle's music, his score, is so intricate to those layers because it's simplistic, but it has an elegance to it. Yeah. There is, um, it gets my heart beating yeah. <laughs> with the pacing, the pacing of it and i get sucked in and the next thing i know my breathing is matching that that rhythm as well and i'm like oh my god there's something coming <laughs> there's something coming so emotionally it really it really speaks to me the speed of the story the speed of the the panning over the headlines the music complements that mm-hmm. and then the other component is the contrast of the sound of snip snip Snip, snip, snip. (laughs) (laughs) So that the the principal character of the scissors then gets introduced. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Snip, snip, snip. When you get your hair cut, it's kind of a comforting sound. This doesn't feel comforting. (laughs) (laughs) So I get a mix of emotions that happens that grabs my attention to say, oh, I really want to pay attention to this. What the heck is going on? (laughs) So... The the next part that you asked about with my sense of the transitions between the two stories, let's identify them as the 1948 story right. and the current story, just to keep them straightforward. The use of black and white in a film noir <laughs> <laughs> is a lovely touch. But what it did for me was that it took the, the complexity of the storytelling to to a visual minimum so that I could keep them separate. Right. And I was ever so grateful. And it, and it lent itself, the black and white, lent itself to that time period of, of the world was pretty black and white. North America yeah. was pretty black and white. Right. Um, certainly, Hollywood was very black and white um, in terms of, of what you could do in Hollywood and who was in charge and what was going on. So it, it lent a consistency, I found, that I embraced very easily and very very comfortably. The therefore the music lent itself to those transitions, and I think the the other part of the of Mr. Doyle's score that I'm so impressed by were the times when he did nothing, when the dialogue spoke the loudest. Right. And there was no music to to persuade me how I was feeling that it forced me to focus on what was going on in the screen and again it had me literally sucking in my breath going (gasps) (laughs) what's going on now (laughs) so it ratcheted up the level of tension and his work is brilliant in that regard um, because it's so simplistic Mm -hmm. without it being superficial
1: right and and that's one of the things that I talk about often with composers is uh, using silence, mm-hmm. and, or or mm-hmm. or using non music as a composing tool. Mm-hmm. And and one of them joked, I remember saying, "Yeah, you pay me to not write music," but <laughs> no, that, that uh, in a lot of cases, and I hear this a lot from various composers, is they say it's often the it's often the notes you don't write that make the notes you do write that much more poignant
0: oh yeah i couldn't agree more yep absolutely
1: that's that's pretty cool so yeah, yeah i
0: think there were other components to of keeping course. the two stories straight and that has to do with costume hair set design all those obvious kinds of things but also the language used in the dialogue mm-hmm. and the kinds of relationships that we see yeah we see gray baker flirting with what's her name at the uh at, at the maggie one of the gatherings yeah um and and it makes me say, what are those guys doing? Yeah, because less was more back in nineteen forty eight. Right. You had to to presume, and you could have presumed incorrectly um, about what was going on in the relationships. And then the other feature has to do with the weather. Um, I've not been to L.A. Have you?
1: Um, I have, but not when it rained.
0: Right and that's the whole point maybe that i'm trying to make is that la is known for its lack of rain for its sunny skies right so the rain in in our film dead again um, in either time periods either 1948 or current times is unusual mhm um, and so it adds, again, for me, to the ambiance, never mind the usual reference that <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night.
1: Well, well Brana even makes the, uh, I don't know if it was a joke or if it was kind of just, he says, oh, it never rains in L.A. And then the next scene, it's pour- pouring down rain.
0: There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. A, yep. f- a fantastic film. And uh, I just um, I'm really, uh, for me, well, one of the one of the little trivia points here, and I think we can we can discuss it briefly, is the notion that the film was all shot in color, initially, right. and right. so there was a conscious decision, more than likely by Brana, to say, hey, you know, this would this going back in time or going back to the to the previous era would look good in black and white, and so yeah, it's for me, it, it's that that it's that contrast. Um, but at the same time, a, not a jarring contrast. It doesn't knock you out of your seat. It's a very, uh, very logical contrast.
0: Going to use the same word,
1: logical. A logical yeah. transition from the past to the present, from the present to the past. Yeah. I just think again, it's a it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. And again, you have to remember this is Brana's second film. And I, 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 I kept thinking about this when you were talking about, um, the relationship between the music and the, the, uh, uh, the picture is I'm sure a lot of that is very, um, with, with Brana's theater background, there's a lot of that visual storytelling that comes from music and not using dialogue, let's say in a, in, in a, in a stage production and the, and. Dead Again does f- have that, that, that feeling to it of, of having that, 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 um, stage presence where you've got, uh, just really cool transitions and stuff like that, 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 uh, in, in my opinion, give the film a unique look. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> well, um, I'm going to continue on with uh, some more of the music from, uh. Uh, this this um, th- this wonderful film. Um, one of the things I do want to make a point of is that composer Patrick Doyle makes two appearances in the film. He plays the bored cop in the elevator in in the present day, and he plays an obnoxious guest at at uh, Otto's party in the past. And one of the things, if you read uh, Doyle's uh, biography, is that he was not sure if he wanted to be an actor or if he wanted to be a composer. And we're really glad that he became a composer. Now, let
0: me just add,
1: um,
0: as part of the group, as part of this collaborative team that was forming um, in the production time of Dead Again, um, thank goodness that somebody inserted the line at Otto's party, when they happened to run into uh, a nondescript character, bumped into to Roman Strauss and said, "Are you in the business?" He responded, "That's right. No, I'm a composer." To which <laughs> the initial person said, "In that case, you're not anybody." <laughs> and that might be the reflection that Patrick Doyle had about his career. I want to be a composer.
1: <laughs> and there's also a, a reference to, I don't like to write music for the movies um, by, <laughs> by, uh, by Brana or by okay. uh, uh, Roman. I just, I just, uh, that one of that line uh, jumped out at me as well. Okay. In any case. So we're going to go back to uh, some of uh, Patrick Doyle's music as uh, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the film. I am really enjoying this. So we're going to continue on with uh, some more music from the, uh, from the score. And this is, this was released, like I said, in 2014 on the La La Land label, check it out. I believe it's still in print. And even if it's not still in print, I'm sure you can find a copy of the original varez um, Still's got some great, some great music on it. So We're going to continue on with some more music and we'll be back in just a little bit.
0: I spoke to a client recently who had shingles blown off his roof. He was surprised when a real person answered his call especially at night who assured him that he had the best coverage on the market. At Jocelyn Insurance we always make sure that you're protected
1: so if you have to make a claim you don't have to worry. Joslin Insurance real people, real protection a real insurance broker in Cambridge, Elmira, New Hamburg Kitchener, Tavistock and Wellesley Joslin.com. That's J-O-S-S-L-I-N.com Are you 11 or older? You will need to get the vaccine to do the activities you enjoy and to travel. Please get two doses so you can get the vaccine certificate this fall. Don't delay. Get vaccinated at your doctor's office or pharmacy. You can also walk in to a public vaccination clinic. Thank you for doing your part to stay safe and to protect our community. A message from the region of Waterloo. Independent, volunteer-produced, Waterloo Region's Adult Alternative. 98.5 CKWR. a little bit of music from the 1991 film dead again that's music by patrick doyle and we will return to that uh, music in in just a little bit as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the film but in the meantime if you are interested in any of the film television or video game music that i do play here on the show by all means you can contact me at of course visions at gmail.com you can also try me online at facebook.com slash visions sound i am on the twitter at Visions Sound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I am also on one of the many pod catchers out there. And again, I love that term. Uh, but uh, Good Pods is a downloadable app that you can put on your phone or other such device to uh, listen to a myriad. Love that word too. Myriad of podcasts, including Visions and Sound, if you just search for me that way. And also I am on uh, Apple Podcasts. So just type in Visions and Sound into the search engine in iTunes or Apple Music and you can find me there. And there is a sale, a weekend, a, a Thanksgiving Day, a Thanksgiving weekend sale on my store. So if you want to be stylish and wear wonderful, wear wonderful, wonderful, wonderful warm. I'm wearing this tonight. I know you can't see it, but it's my Visions and Sound hoodie and it is really warm and it is really soft. and I love it. It's great. In any case, so welcome back to Visions and Sound as this week we are again celebrating the 30th anniversary of Dead Again, which is kind of uh, we, we had we decided what genre this was because there seems to be so many genres. And uh, joining me on the show this week is longtime friend Susan Gao. And so had we decided on a on a on a genre for this film, or had we kind yeah.
0: of? What we decided it was a multi-genre.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so it's a film noir. It's a murder mystery. It's a romance story. It's all those different things, and yet it's told, in my opinion, so well that it's not cluttered, and I think that's one of the aspects of how does a film stand the test of time. Here and we are, thirty years later, right, Rob?
1: Right. And th- th- so this is the question that we were going to to kind of um, kind of uh, discuss: is that what is it about a film that makes us return to it time and again? So, um, I'm one to, to talk because I, every, every Halloween since 1993 have watched uh, John Carpenter's The Thing and I'm not a horror guy, but I am, I really, I really like this film. It, it speaks to me. It has technically some, some amazing special effects that do stand the test of time and, the cinematography and the location and just all of the, all of these things just seem to speak to me in, in the, in the film like that. And I mean, there are other films as well that I, I I can think of, but I mean, what is it about? And by the way, thanks to you, Susan, in the fact that I will return to dead again more often now (laughs) that I, that I, I've seen it more recently. And uh, it's going to be one of those films that, I, 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 it's going to be an interesting study to go back. And of course, then watch it with the, the, uh, director's commentaries with all of the commentaries and watch the special features. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch it watch it that way. And I think that gives the, um, the film repeat, repeat watchability, I think is maybe the, be- the best way to approach it. So what is it about that again, that you return to? Uh, all well, the time I, th-
0: I think you put your finger on it wrong when you said it's a good study it's, it's, it's so there's there's two components there's my personal response to the film and then there's this this more i guess it's academic but it's it's more of a fan based pleasure what is it about the film that makes it worth studying and you and i have spoken tonight a couple of times and certainly in the past about a good film has layers that make up the film right that the production comes together harmoniously and it certainly does in this film um whether it's the score whether it's the script the set productions the costumes hair and makeup story dialogue relationships right right and then you look at the more technical components of it how does the lighting highlight the key aspects and, and shroud others, like how does it, how does it, there's an, I'm going to interrupt myself, there's an expression that I used to use uh, with people about repetition for emphasis, or repetition that is just damn boring that you, <laughs> you don't know what else to say and as students when we used to do our assignments you know we would all f- roll into that problem of saying the same thing over and over because we needed to fill up five pages right. right but there is there is this value of repetition for emphasis right. and it's the consistency that that i think becomes worthy of a picture to study when all those different components come together with the same over overview message but they each have their own distinctive ways of emphasizing what is being said what is being done so whether it's a a camera shot that pulls back for the big picture and generalities or zooms in for that tight close-up um to focus on critical details people or sets you know whatever and i think that dead again is a very complex story told consistently well by all those elements and therefore for me i can go back over and over and watch it and say holy smokes look at that oh look at this idea just think of the the whole um, continuity of the imagery of the scissors all the way through it whether we're hearing the sounds or we're seeing the visual and you know spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) towards the end and as as people get their just desserts right (laughs) so then on a personal response to the film i get excited and enthused when it's a good production like what i've just described yeah but it somehow uplifts me and it somehow gives me a sense of oh i want to hear that story again yeah how many times do you want to hear a piece of music again how many times do you want to hear a song again it's the story that's often involved with it that you go, yeah, that's a that's a universal theme I wanted to, I want to talk about and so dead again for me offers that through its discussion of reincarnation and karma and redemption a little bit but just desserts and there's a logic to it and there's um an order to it I suppose yeah so I guess the other the other point that I would tag to the the worthy of a study is I love seeing the collaboration of different talents and skills coming together to tell that story, to make it a meaningful one. Right. And and when it's when it's layered, when it has all those dimensions, oh, it's just so rich. (laughs) How could you (laughs) not want to watch it or (laughs) What about your listeners?
1: Do they have any, any preferences about that? Well, you know, we, we will, we will get into that. Uh, We have been having, by the way, we've been having a great discussion off air. And this is what I like about, about having, having the, the, the feed going on in the background is that there, we have oftentimes the discussions off air are, are just as, just as poignant and, and important as the discussions we have on air and uh I, I, I one of the things that that pops up for me when it comes to rewatchability of a film is nostalgia we get a good feeling from from it's kind of like revisiting an old friend or um coming back to that to that great to that great as you as you put it to, oh tell me that story again that great story again right. and 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 then one i'll i'll, I'll use an example you notice things in in re, in rewatching a film over and over, again, things that you may have missed, sure. or or directions that you haven't you haven't gone before. For example, and this will be a very really quick example, but when I saw a John Carpenter's The Thing for the first time on the big screen, I'd been watching it for 20, 25 years at that point, and I'd never noticed that the doctor had an earring in his ear, never (laughs) noticed, never noticed that before. And, and, and I went, oh, he, he hasn't, I, how long have I been watching this film and never noticed that? And it was something that I think I'd only would have seen had I had, I, and I, I'm glad I had the great opportunity and this is a film dead again, that I would love to see on the big screen and if it ever returns susan i would i would i would love to see it and okay i know they're probably not listening but apollo the apollo (laughs) apollo theater if you're listening and you want you want two two guaranteed tickets ticket sales dead bring dead again to your theater and, oh my
0: uh, God, I don't know if I could handle it, Rob. I have to be in the <laughs> comfort of my own home because I get so,
1: so, so involved with the tension it. It's like, look out! <laughs> it should happen! It would, it, it, it would be great to... St- I mean, uh, that being said, having the experience of, of a film like that on the big screen is in 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 a shared environment I think is fabulous and I think it would be wonderful if... And it would be, and it would be wonderful if they were to bring it back. But sure, we're not, we're sure. not sure on that. So, I'd like
0: to return to your point, if I can, sure. just very quickly. Go ahead. And, the, and that was the point about the earring that you noticed in the in the uh, actor in the thing. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked again tonight, as well as in the past, that every decision, every element in a film, is there as a result of a conscious choice. Yes. So it's very hard for me to accept an argument from um folks who say oh well you know they had to do that. well yeah for a reason <laughs> um, it's it's the choices are made very deliberately there's a whole lot of money involved with this right and they and they're not good filmmakers maybe that's the distinction good filmmakers right. are doing that to make sure that they don't waste the the resources that they've got so when you talk about watching it over and over and you see things that you missed before, well, good, f- good on you because <laughs> <laughs> that you're paying attention to someone's decision, so someone who's part of the crew, yeah. someone who's part of the of the collaborative team to to what they said. You know, this would be important, and we've certainly seen that in a lot of the MCU films that sure. we've watched. Or details, man. It's all there. You gotta pay attention. Anyway, thanks for letting me return to that point. Yeah,
1: no worries. So I, I think um, oftentimes um, I like to pull the pull back the curtain and reveal some alternative cues and bonus tracks that you don't necessarily get to hear. These are often put on a soundtrack, but are not on, often heard during the show. So here is a few of the alternate tracks and bonuses from the score. Now the opening presented here is an alternative album track from the original Perez Saraband release, which I mentioned earlier. Now the rest have been either not released or were source cues of the original film. So here is a little bit of the pulling the curtain back, which is, I kind of like to do on the show here, alternative tracks from dead again as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of this film. Back in a bit. And I think Doyle having a little fun on the piano there at the end, that's music from, uh, some of the alternative cues, stuff that wasn't in the final film or soft or, or as they call them source cues. So in any case, welcome back to visions and sound as this week, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of dead again, and it's music by Patrick Doyle on a wonderful Kenneth Branagh film. So Susan, we're going to get. Uh, back into the whole idea of, uh, of what makes, what helps a film um, stand the test of time. And we had kind of briefly discussed it earlier, but uh, so what else do you feel that helps a film uh, stand the test of time? In a,
0: in a suspenseful film. I think what becomes critical is, is the unexpected. Because right. even though I was so taken in by the film I, 30 years ago, I had the same response when I watched it again recently. Because it was unexpected. And because of some of the other factors that we've talked about that that elicited an emotional response out of me. Right. So the unexpected is there. Um, uh, Roman kissing Baker. Um Oh, Baker's horrible addiction to cigarette smoking linked to the comment that the Robin Williams character was a Dr. Cozy. Yes. uh, Who who says, listen, he makes it really clear. You're either a smoker or you're not. You just have to make up your mind which one you are and just do it. Right. And to say that you're trying is is a lack of commitment. Well, for me, those are universal statements that those are unexpected things in, in the progress of the story, but they're riveting comments that grab your attention. And so I was happy to hear them again 30 years later. I was happy to rethink them. And as a matter of fact, I think this film had a, had a very strong influence in my quitting smoking because I just said, well, wait a minute, I'm not a smoker. So what are you doing? Anyway, the other thing is, but stands the test of time in a similar vein to me is that not everything is explained. So when I view yes. the film 30 years, you know, in initial year, 30 years ago, I'm, I'm understanding something, interpreting something according to my mindset, my personality, my, my life conditions at that time. Right. And when I rewatch a film, don't you find too, that then who you are today Imp- impacts on how you make those interpretations. Right. And if the filmmakers don't leave it open for me to put my explanation on it or my understanding on it, well, then I suppose they haven't encouraged me to be a part of the film.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned uh, off-air the anklet that, yeah. uh, and its its ambiguous nature as to what it actually meant. In all of, in, in all of this. And I, I lamented at the fact that, uh, you know, often films nowadays kind of just s- most, some films spell it out for you from, you know, from the beginning to the end. And they just kind of lead you on a path. Whereas this one's a little bit, like I said, leaves things a bit ambiguous and keeps you guessing until pretty much the, the, the closing of the, or, or, or near the, near the closing of the film
0: remember earlier tonight or, or this morning when you posed the question you know how are this how are the two time stories the 1948 and the, and the current story how are they if they transitioned how are they threaded together yep. well the anklet threads through those two stories
1: okay right
0: when you think of it roman gave it to margaret
1: mm-hmm. as a
0: sign of his love for her that it was it was a it was something luxurious that he wanted her to have right it got oh <laughs> spoiler alert it's it's then stolen mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't say by whom and yet it it keeps our attention as the audience member through the two two, two stories. so it acts like a bridge i was going to
1: say would you would you call it a bridge and apparently you yeah. did
0: yeah but because I, I i took a moment uh, when I was preparing for t- for our get together here, and apparently an anklet is considered to be a talisman. It's a considered to be a charm huh. um, that it's pr- it offers protection because it brings you closer to the ground, and thus you become grounded. Ah, huh. <laughs> right. Um, it's worn on the left ankle to indicate that you are either married or you have a lover. And it's supposed to signify bravery and pride. And if you think about it, a lot of dancers wear it in other cultures. And okay. so they can, they can hear um, the twinkling of bells on an anklet rather than just the jewels. So I would also think in some ways it's it's a prestige item like a fancy diamond ring or whatever. So there are meanings that are not that that meaning was not uh, right provided
1: exactly, but is it but was it, it to, was it necessary to was it necessary for it to be the tor- was it necessary for it to be provided? Didn't I I, I didn't think so because it it, it made very self evident, um, as you mentioned, as a bridge.
0: Well. Except I can imagine some audience members saying, well, I didn't know that about anklets. And if I would known that about anklets, you know, they could have done it with a couple of throwaway lines. I would have been better informed. Well, yeah, well, how about, (laughs) sorry, my bias is coming through here loud and clear. What if you take some responsibility and look up what it means, even on your phone while you're watching the movie? Like, (laughs) how much do you have to be spoon-fed? So I I like being included. By having things explained to me and at the same time, I like things open because I watch a film more than once. It's like I read a book more than once. I watch a film more than once. I want to see what different impacts that has on Mm -hmm. me. And that, to me, is what helps a movie stand the test of time.
1: Right. And we've, we've discussed this before in other films that I've watched when I was a kid and didn't necessarily like. But then watching it now, um, with all the life experience that I've gone through and that sort of thing, it gives you a completely different perspective. Yeah. And again, as you said, standing the test of time, even though you don't necessarily, uh, you revisit it and get a chance to, um, put your, put your own, your own spin on it, we'll say, and, and, and be able to. Um, interpret it in a completely different way because your life experiences have changed.
0: And the ergo, you become engaged. Right. With the film.
1: Exactly. I mean, me in 1991 and me now in 2021 are two completely different people. Yeah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I guess what we're talking about really is what makes a classic a classic. Exactly whether it's a classic piece of literature or a classic film or a stage play or whatever, or even what like, yeah.
1: Classic. Well, um, what say we get back to the music to kind of uh, round out the rest of the show and we'll wrap it up just after this. So, um, here's some more music. We get back to the, uh, to the, the score proper in this case. And here's some more music from dead again, as we're getting very close to the end of the program. Back in just a little bit. a little bit of music from the 1991 film dead again that's music by patrick doyle wow we have reached the end of the show susan yes and uh there's still a whole lot more to (laughs) to discuss i think maybe um your return might be (laughs) definitely in the cards but i will say this now before i end off today's show i hope as you're you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Now, never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever feeling not right, there are people out there who care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who, who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without the support of a team of people behind me. So if you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and the Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Susan, thank you. Once again, for being on the show this week, it has been a pleasure to have your insight and, and just, just being able to, to wax nostalgic about this, uh, about this particular movie. Again, thank you very much.
0: Well, and thank you, Rob, for making me feel so welcome and including me in tonight's show.
1: Uh, that's, that's, that's no problem. So join me next week as we'll continue into the Halloween Horror Month with a celebration, another 30th anniversary celebration, this time going in a bit of a different direction, 30th anniversary of The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I'll end off... (laughs) I knew you were going to make a a little comment there. I'll I'll end off this week's show with some more music from Dead Again, and I will be back next week with more Visions in Sound.